0: you ever fail are you listening damn welcome in folks to the rantings of a fantasy football fanatic i'm your host jesse moeller aka jmoller05 and on this week's show we are going to be talking about and that is the free agency period and the moving the shaking everything that's gone on so what do you say shall we get into it Let's start out with the biggest name from the bunch that's shaking up fantasy, and that's Mr. Darren Waller. The Giants traded the pick they got for trading Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs last year, and turned that into Darren Waller. That's just, that's well done. What you're doing is you're taking an offense that desperately needed a playmaker, and you're giving them a playmaker in an impact position. Now... I know Waller's been through some injuries. He's only played, I think it's 20 games the past two years, but the talent's never been a question. It's injuries. So you're taking one injury prone player who has shown flashes, like the smallest of flashes in Tony, and trading them for another player who has struggled through injuries the past few years. But when he's played, he's been a stud. So let's go back to those last two seasons that he played full seasons, and that's in 2019, 2020. Darren Waller averaged 131 targets, 98 receptions, 1,170 yards, and 6 touchdowns. And that is 15 points per game. Now, that would have easily been the tight end, two, only behind Travis Kelsey. Because Travis Kelsey's is just on another level. His connection with Mahomes literally just sets him in a different stratosphere from everyone else. But in those two seasons, Darren Waller was the tight end, two and the tight end, six, on a point per game basis. And in 2020, he even put up a ridiculous 28% target share. The only players that are sniffing that are Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. Now I know what you're thinking. What about Travis Kelsey? He was at 24% last year. It's this is what I'm talking about. Being in the Kansas City Chiefs offense with Mahomes, it he doesn't need to be pushing 30% target share. He, the year before, he was at 22% target share. It's just it's it's the perfect situation for any tight end. But what I what I love about this situation for Waller is he goes from the McDaniels offense he's going to the Dayball offense and we know one thing Dayball knows how to use his best assets and Darren Waller is going to be his best pass catcher now I know what you're thinking oh they they brought in Paris Campbell they have Isaiah Hodgins Wandale Robinson stop it they don't matter like they're fine they're nice pieces Wandale has the most promise out of those guys but realistically the Giants Team was severely missing a weapon, the pass catcher weapon. They had Saquon, he actually led the team in targets, but Waller becomes the de facto wide receiver one on this offense. So you're going to be looking at him posting up these target shares in the, the upper 20th percentile. Like, I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he led tight ends in target share this year. Like, that's, that's what we're expecting. And this is with caveat, obviously, of him being healthy. If he's not healthy, that's the bet the Giants took, but. They got him for a third-round pick. I don't I don't see how you could have a problem with this. And the Giants restructured his contract where they saved like $7 million on top of it as well. So this is just this is a massive win for the Giants. Like this helps Daniel Jones, this helps Saquon Barkley because everything is not on Saquon Barkley now. And the offense is going to feature those two early and often next year. So it'll be the Daniel Jones, the Darren Waller, and the Saquon Barkley show in New York. And guess what? They could still draft a wide receiver because they have a bunch of guys, but they needed an impact wide receiver. So they could either decide to trade for one. There's a few big names on the market. Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins come to mind. Those are the ones everyone's talking about because they still don't have other situations figured out. But for 2023, it's hard to rank Darren Waller outside your top three tight end. And I know I love Pitts. He's still in my dynasty tight end one. But... It's just, it's it's tough until Atlanta figures out that quarterback situation. I will say Ritter did boost the offense where London actually was respectable and you could play him and start him. The issue was Kyle Pitts was out for the year by the time Ritter took over, so he didn't get experience that. But back to the Giants, it's a massive win for Darren Waller. So congrats to the Giants. Well done. They knocked it out of the park on this one. They're going to be a problem offensively with Dable figuring out the best ways to work it and get Darren Waller of the ball. I'm really excited to see it next year coming up. Now let's jump into the running backs. Miles Sanders, well done. Miles got the bag. He was the biggest name running back on the market. Once, you know, Jacobs, Pollard, Saquon, all were tagged. It literally just took the big names out. and And then Miles Sanders was really the one that kind of decided what he wants to do. And Carolina gives him a four-year deal for twenty-five million dollars, with thirteen guaranteed. So realistically, it's a two million dollars. Sorry, it's a two-year deal basically, where he's locked in for the next two years. And it's a good job by Carolina. They get a good rusher, and their offense is desperately in need of weapons. Funny how this is a recurring theme, right? Carolina had one of, if not the worst skill position groups in the NFL once they traded DJ Moore. They literally have enough. The Chuba Hubbard still under contract, so Chuba Hubbard can spell Sanders a little bit. But it's going to be this Sanders show, and this whoever the rookie quarterback it is, they're going to depend on Sanders because rookie quarterbacks they take time to adjust, and the running backs in those situations benefit. So Miles Sanders should be in set up for another good season. Now I'm not saying he be an RB one. He'll he'll likely be a middling RB two. But he'll be good. And it'll be fun to watch him in that offense. I'm curious to see how the rest of the pieces come together. But it will be a little bit different, if, say, if Anthony Richardson starting, as opposed to CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, with Sanders being the best option. And remember, his rookie year, he did 50 receptions. Now, that seems like a long, long time ago, because his numbers have dwindled over the past few years. But Miles Sanders that was an asset of his coming into the league now his hands have always been an issue so he's not going to see these insane target numbers or you know receptions but he's capable and given the money they gave him and the lack of weapons that carolina has this rookie quarterback whoever it is is going to be checking down Sanders. center so realistically sanders is set up in a good situation and now i know we're a little worried because we didn't know where he would land after leaving Philadelphia with the best offensive line in the league and one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he's moving to a situation where it's a little 2BD, but it's a good thing for Sanders. I like him moving forward, at least for this next year, so he'll be a solid RB2 moving forward. Now let's jump in to Mr. David Montgomery, who signed with the Detroit Lions a three-year, $18 million contract with $11 million guaranteed, and it's another essentially another two-year deal. Now this was a monster deal. I did not expect Chicago to pay up to the amount that they did, because we're talking basically $6 million a year for David Montgomery, who, if you know, in the fantasy industry, people do not like David Montgomery, but he's paired up with DeAndre Swift, who's been a freaking enigma and a half for fantasy. He's just a super frustrating running back. And it's really seems like the clock's running out for Swift in, in Detroit. This move signifies, hey, either put up or shut up because we're done with this. We don't want to play this game anymore with you, Swift. He just can't stay healthy. And sometimes that's just bad luck. Sometimes that's just players not able to handle the workload. It's a lot of things with Swift, but this is really good for Montgomery. And we saw what Jamal Williams was able to do with not even a heavy workload. They also had Justin Jackson taking snaps. It was just a disaster for Swift, but it was good for Williams. And realistically, Montgomery is that running back where he can do everything. He doesn't have an elite skill set where he can do one thing really well. He could just do a lot of it, a lot of stuff. So if you need him to pass block, you need him to run a route, catch the ball, you need him to get you two yards on third and two, he could do that. He's able and shown that he can handle volume. So I get the feeling that the coaching staff is going to absolutely love David Montgomery especially behind that, the line that the Lions have, it should be a really good year for him. I'm not saying David Montgomery is going to be locked in RB1 or anything of that nature, where he was a few years ago, where he had that historic finish where he just basically won people's championships. But David Montgomery, he's a solid back, and he was paid accordingly. And that's going to translate where David Montgomery is going to be given a chance and... I don't see how it's not going to work out for David Montgomery. Swift's a big follower after this, where I know people still love the name. But realistically, I have more confidence in being able to play David Montgomery than I do DeAndre Swift. The interesting thing is DeAndre Swift was second in fantasy points per touch. Just because of how electric he is when he has the ball and what he does with it. The problem is he only saw four games over 50% snap share last year. So... It's really just wide open for David Montgomery. They can work in tandem together, but Montgomery is going to be the guy that's going to get substantially more touches in this offense. So it'll be interesting to see, but Montgomery in that Lions, the offense that is just looking fantastic, it's, he's set up to smash. He might be going late in drafts this year. So another zero RB guy, if that's the first RB you want to take, if you go wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, something like that, or quarterback early, Montgomery is the guy in that probably third, fourth-round range where he looks interesting and he can fill out rosters pretty well. So it's really good news for David Montgomery. One of the more surprising signings was Samaje P. Ryan in Denver. He got two years, $7.5 million, with $3 million guaranteed. Now, this has zero RB written all over it because of the Javante Williams situation. We just don't know how healthy he's going to be. And we saw... P. Ryan, in Cincinnati, he's able to be a productive fantasy asset. When Joe Mixon was out, Pirine was able to step in and perform admirably well. So, it will be interesting to see how he is used, but particularly early on, with the knee being so uncertain for Javante, Pirine's going to be startable for a, a few weeks, realistically. And he'll put up good numbers in the Denver offense, so... I think it's huge news for Piran. This catapults his dynasty value, where if you need a flyer running back, someone to get you through those first couple weeks, Piran's the guy, because he's not gonna cost much, but he will be more valuable to the people that have him on the roster than people that don't. So keep that in mind if you're trying to trade for him. Might need to wait a little bit for his value to subside a little bit, but in drafts this year, he's going to be going late And he'll be giving the startup weeks early on. So you'll see him on a lot of rosters. You'll be like, wow, that was earlier than I thought it would be. That's P. Ryan. He's going to be pretty solid for him. Now we're going to move on to our next running back. And that's that's Swag Daddy himself, Jamal Williams. The man got paid by the Saints. Three years, $12 million contract with $8 million guaranteed. Which means that's a two-year deal for Jamal Williams. So congrats to Swag Daddy. He deserved it. He's... Probably my favorite player in the NFL just his, his speeches are just fantastic If you saw his speech where he was wearing the EV hat when his introductory press conference with the Saints just hilarious stuff The man is just he's pure entertainment just distilled down where it's it's so enjoyable I don't know how you couldn't love Jamal Williams. I don't know a single person that dislikes Jamal Williams Now is he a super talented running back? No, but this is another situation where you have an offense with Alva Kamara where we don't know his situation at all. How many games is he gonna miss with the possible suspension? It's literally in, the, like, up in the air, we're unsure. So guess what? Jamal Williams, he's going to be getting touches and he'll be playable and you'll see teams play him. It's very similar to Samajic Pirin. Right now. now it's not the same one for one because you're dealing with a suspension, or excuse me, a possible suspension with Kamara and Javante Williams was the injury with Denver. But Jamal was the touchdown king last year. He was set up with so many first and ones at the one yard line, right, or second and a half inch, and he was just finding ways to keep getting touchdowns. He keep getting touchdowns, and yeah, DeAndre Swiftman managers were frustrated. But guess what? The dude, he earned it. He did his part. He did everything you could ask for him. So he, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about him. He's just a touchdown king. That's what he was doing. Now it's not a one for one scenario because. Kamara is dealing with possible suspension. Javante Williams is dealing with an actual injury where, realistically, he's not going to be close to 100% to start the year. But Swag Daddy, just he's a touchdown king. He had an insane amount of touchdowns. There was a lot of fortunate luck for him last year where it felt like the Lions were tackled every possible chance to the one-yard line. And Williams would just take advantage and, and be like, yeah, thank you, another touchdown, cool. And he was just the touchdown king. But if you look back to his usage in Green Bay, he was the 1B to Aaron Jones where he was using the passing game and he actually gave they gave him a decent amount of workload. So I know Dennis Allen's offense is not great, but now that it's with Derek Carr and we saw how Josh Jacobs was used, if Kamara is suspended for a good chunk of the year, Williams is likely going to be playable. Now, we're not going to find out until later so post draft when that session happens so the saints aren't really gonna know beforehand so they'll realistically they'll draft somebody probably late as a backup just in case to get them through but right now it's set up for jamal williams this year and he's gonna be another late round Darth Road sort of where you can hit and have a solid respectable rb2 for you throughout the year so i like this move it's a solid move for the saints and it works out for jamal wins because it's not an expensive contract either you're not paying a ton of money for the production you get out of them so another guy he's gonna get a bump but once we get later in the year it will probably come back down to aap and be a value now let's move on to the dolphins they re-signed both their backfield mates which is hilarious the coach just loves his certain guys that are perfect scheme fits and you have Mostert and Jeff Wilson those are his guys and guess what Wilson got a two-year deal contract Mostert also got a two-year deal contract where they're very similar actually realistically they're one-year deals for both of them likely one of them or both of them are not on the roster in 2024 but for this season We saw how it worked out. I'm curious to see how the draft plays out for them, but the offense was very good. Now, they did not rush a lot, which is a little surprising, but they'll probably flip, I would assume. You're not gonna see them be bottom barrel and rush attempts again this year. So we'll see how that shakes out, but it's one of the better offensive schemes her running backs just churn out fantasy points on the ground and these two guys fit that outside zone scheme perfectly so for the price it didn't cost the dolphins much and you get competent running back play. so this one will be one to watch and keep your eye on to see how it shakes out and if anyone else shows the backfield but right now it's arrow up for both mostert and jeff wilson with the dolphins in 2023 now let's move on to one of if not my favorite signing for the Eagles, and that's Rashad Penny. I was shocked how cheap his contract was. It's a one-year deal with 1.5 million and guaranteed any with possible incentives, it could raise $2.1 million. That's it, which is odd because Penny's been one of, if not the most efficient pack on the ground since he came into the league. The guy's this explosive, just chunk monster on the ground. It's interesting. You don't think he can keep it up, but he continues to keep it up. The issue, it's health. And there's a giant red flag by health. I mean, the guy cannot say all of you. But when he's been on the field, he's been one of, if not the best rusher in the league. Now, I know you're saying, what about Derrick Henry? What about Nick Chubb? I'm talking about efficiency. When Rashad Penny gets the ball, good things happen for whichever team he's on. Now, this was with the Seahawks for years, but the guy just, he's a really good running back. And this, this is what the Seahawks expected when they took him in the first round way back in 2018, right? But injuries, he came in out of shape. More injuries than the Eckers Carson deal with. It never really worked out until the end of 2021. We saw Rashad Penny take over. And at the beginning of 2022, Rashad Penny was actually better than Kenneth Walker was last year. He wasn't going to give up the job either. But he blew out. Major injury walker took over and showed like hey i'm pretty good running back as well but rashad penny has the best yards per carry average in nfl history it's 5.7 and i'm talking like this is delete stuff rashad penny's very good and guess what he gets the best line of his career the seahawks offensive line was ranked 27th last season by pff the eagles was ranked first that's a massive upgrade for rashad penny oh and guess what he gets a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, which means it's even more efficient because the defense has to adjust to Hurts by what he brings to the table. Not There's a few quarterbacks that can bring that, right? So it holds linebackers for a little bit longer. They don't get to jump in to make the reads initially. So you have to kind of stay back just for an extra half second. And Rashad Penny's going to take advantage of that. Now, it's going to be a very fun offense, but I don't see any reason why he cannot duplicate what Miles Sanders did. Except for injury, so if he's healthy and put, plays 14 games, you're going to have yourself a very good running back this year. So go out and just see if you can get him for dirt cheap prices, right? A third round pick, I would happily pay that for Rashad Penny in any league. Like, I'll take that gamble, right? Or say if you have someone where like Miles Sanders first, if you have him, go send Miles Sanders. Go send Miles Sanders for Rashad Penny in early second this year that early second is a good pick. So if you're going to bank the early second, which will get you a good player down the road, and then you get Penny, who realistically can put up similar numbers as Sanders. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a high-end RB1 or anything like that, but his range of outcomes, he could finish as a top 10 running back in the league this year. Also, on the flip side, the floor is he gets hurt and he doesn't play a single snap this year. So... You have to take that in consideration. So that's why you would bank the pick in this situation as a little bit, you know, a boost to your team either way. Say if it falls apart, you still have the pick to bank back on. But realistically, think about ways to get Rashad Penny as like a throw-in a deal or just get him cheap on your team. Because he's going to produce when he's on the field. So I am thrilled about that landing spot. It's the perfect fit you could ask for for Rashad Penny. Now let's move on to Alexander Madison with the Vikings. He signed a two-year deal he resigns but it's just it's a weird deal because plenty of people are excited about Madison but there obviously was on a substantial market for him because it's only it's a 2 year deal 6.5 million guaranteed so that legit is a 2 year deal that's not like one year where all the money's up front now that's spread through 2 years and the Vikings would only save for $600,000 if they release him before next year so he's going to be on the roster the one caveat is with the dalvin cook potential trade news this could be a huge boom for alexander madison in games without cook he's been fantastic he's actually been better than cook he has six games in his career without alexander madison where he's put up 20.4 points per game in VPR. with the games with cook where cook has played and madison's log snaps he's put up 4.7 points right his rushing attempts jump from 5 with Cook to 19 without Cook. And his his, his his He's literally getting a 19% of the rushing attempts with Cook. And he jumps up to 75. Like he's getting Bell Cow usage. Same thing with the targets. They jump from 1 per game to 4.5 per game. Like, this is what you want to see from true Bell Cows in the league. So it's pretty interesting to see. And I don't know necessarily why there weren't more teams interested in he seems like a pretty solid back but i think it had to do with the depth and in the free agency period and also in the draft coming up teams just didn't want to pay for alexander Madison. so vikings got him back on a relatively team-friendly deal so it's going to be interesting and if cook is traded the only other backs on the roster besides alexander Madison, ty chandler the rookie from last year and kenny nwangu the kick return specialist who's just a speedster so it would be wheels up for Madison at that point. Now, if that were the case, realistically, I would expect Minnesota to draft another running back, right? To replace, help, replace, good. but overall, it's good. Now, let's jump into those wide receivers. Let's talk about the big head honcho, the king, King Kobe, Jacoby Myers. I was a little surprised at the market for him. It's a three-year deal, $33 million, $21 million guaranteed. But it's really only a one-year deal because the way it's set up, there's only 3.5 million dead cap next year. So realistically, Vegas could move on after this year. Now I don't know why they would, because they—it's a priority. Obviously, McDaniel's with his time in New England, connection with Jacoby. He wanted him there. He's bringing him to Vegas. They are—he's a little redundant with Renfro. So that's interesting. That the fact is, you're basically like. Hey, guess what? We're going to get rid of our difference-making tight end, and we're going to bring him in with... The thing about Jacoby is he's not just a slot wide receiver. He can play outside, too. Um, but he plays mainly in the slot. So with him and Renfro, where they have similar skill sets, I think Jacoby's a little bit better version of Renfro. but they're similar enough where it's that's just kind of an on-signing in general. But he's going to be the second option in this offense. It's Going to be Devontae Adams, who is one of, if like, we'll say top three wide receivers in the league at worst. And I'm seriously mean that like, at worst, like Adams is just a stud. And the thing for Jacoby is his new quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, does not chuck it down the field, right? Like, he, he's so used to having these yak monsters and guys in the middle of the field. So I, I would expect him to heavily target Jacoby early and often where he's going to be a PPR boon. He's going to be good. Now, he's never played with anyone close to the caliber of Delonte Adams, so that'll be interesting to see. But Adams draws such focus from the defense. Jacoby will be fine. Those two will be able to work work together and in tandem. That I think is going to be good for the offense. So it's going to be a good thing for Jacoby Myers that he's with Vegas. Now, I know not, not everyone sees it that way, but I've always believed in his talent. He's been a target hog in basically a big fish in a small pond. Now he's moving up to a bigger pond. The field's going to be a little more open for him. He's not going to be focused on the offense. I think he'll be just fine. So let's jump down to the king, returning from exile, Michael Thomas. Now Michael Thomas restructured his contract with the Saints to stay in New Orleans for one more year. It's a one-year $15 million deal. That If it maxed out hit those incentives, he would get that. It's got $10 million in guarantee. Now, Michael Thomas has been one of the best wide receivers from the past decade. He's fifth all time in receiving yards per game with 83. Fifth. I did not screw that up. That's He's been a stud. It's just another guy. Injuries, 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 and injuries that have just killed Thomas these last few years. He went from putting up one of the greatest seasons of all time in 2019 to just the last three years. is just... It's been a disaster. So... We did see last year, he did manage to put up 17 points per game before he hurt himself again. So you see it, the talent's still there. And he was wide receiver 9. Now, if he comes anything close to that production, you have a league-winning player because he's going to be, in Dynasty, he's basically free. In best ball and redraft, you're talking double just where he goes. He might gain some steam if he's healthy and people see him healthy throughout the offseason. But his price right now, he is dirt cheap because people just don't want him. They can't put up with that. If you can't play, he's only played 10 games the last three years. Like that's, that is rough. The nice thing for Derek Carr is he has Michael Thomas and he has Chris Olave. That's two fantastic weapons. And whenever, whenever Alvin Kamara gets back, who knows when that's going to be, he will have Alvin Kamara as well. That's a very good trio of pass catchers. So... I'm actually pretty excited for Michael Thomas. I've loved Michael Thomas for the longest time, so I am a bit biased when it comes to Michael Thomas. I have way too much Michael Thomas on my Dynasty rosters. But I'll I'll happily take the gamble on him on a few teams this year to redraft and see what happens. But him with Derek Carr. I'm actually excited to see it. See it shake out. So overall, I think it's a good thing that he's in New Orleans. Now the next guy alan lazard this was just weird i don't know what the jets are doing but they gave lazard the biggest contract of all the wide receivers four years 44 million dollar deal with 22 million guaranteed now it's the deal looks like a two-year deal i haven't seen the details of the contract out yet but with 22 million guaranteed unless that's all up front that is significant money 22 million dollars for alan lazard is no pocket change my friend and you have Garrett Wilson, the just stud phenom, elite wide receiver. You have Elijah Moore. He's a good wide receiver. And you still have Corey Davis. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I expect Elijah Moore to be traded as part of the package back to the Packers. And maybe that's what the holdup is. Who knows? Realistically, they can cut Corey Davis. There's really, it saved them, I think it's like $10 million in cap money this year he doesn't really have a dead cap so they could go that route too but lazard's ability to be a plus blocker and stretch the field stretch the downfield those are benefits because he's a big slot and can play that which is a good thing for aaron Rodgers. but his his skill set matches corey davis so they're kind of similar in that so i'm not sure how it's going to shake out but either one of those things is going to happen they're not going to keep all these wide receivers and particularly if they do end up signing Randall Cobb that's another body to this (laughs) this overcrowded wide receiver room which would make it even harder because Rodgers loves his guys right so if he has Lazard and Cobb he's gonna want to use them so that'd be worse for Elijah Moore now I'm not saying that's going to happen that's just something to think about with Lazard now Lazard had the best opportunity of his career to be a difference making wide receiver and he petered out at 11.7 points per game he was wide receiver 34 Which kind of shows Lazard, he's a solid wide receiver. But he's not going to give you difference-making production. And now that he's playing with a better group in New York, he's likely going to regress to his career averages from what we've seen. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm not really interested now in Lazard. I mean, it's maybe it's entirely possible he runs hot on touchdowns. He's a wide receiver three. But really, even then, I'm just... I'm not that interested in them. It's a better team signing than it is fantasy, in my opinion. Now let's go down to Juju, who signed in New England for basically the same contract. Jacoby signed in Vegas, so it's a three-year deal, thirty-three million dollars, was sixteen in guarantees. So it's realistically, it's a two-year deal that the Patriots could get out of for a two million dollar cap hit in 2025. But Juju's taken over that big slot role that myersfield now i think it's a very it's a perfect scheme fit for what new england wants to do with bill o'brien and juju's like he he fits that to a team now they still need more weapons because outside of juju you have hunter henry oh yeah they signed mike gasecki as well for 4.5 million dollars one-year deal so you have these guys that are going to be all clustered in the middle of the field so it's kind of strange i don't necessarily know what new england is doing but I like what Juju brings to the team. He's a good fit. He's a yak. Like, surprisingly, he's very good with yak. He had the fifth most like yak above expectation. So yards created above expectation, according to next-gen stats, in the NFL, which is really good. New England didn't have anyone that was top 24, like, outside of that. Juju was 11. Like, that's a major difference in this offense. And the offense definitely needs somebody that was able to do that. So his skill set and what he brings is something the Patriots very much, they desperately need. And it pairs with Mac Jones really well. He will be his, his basically his blanket, his check down. He'll be a hitter in the middle of the field. He won't have to where he can hit him in stride because that's what Mac Jones does really well. Like he he's accurate. He knows how to hit receivers, perfect timing. So with Juju, that's a perfect pairing. And I like it, but realistically, Juju is going to be a back-end wide receiver, too. So he'll just bank another top-24 fantasy season for you. No big deal. Now, Juju's not an elite talent. We got way ahead of our skis after his breakout 2018 season. But he's been kind of the same guy throughout his entire career, where he's great at beating zone. That's his specialty. He finds the holes in it. He sits down. And he just constantly succeeds at what he's doing. I think he, um, according to Matt Harmon, he's been above the 81st percentile in success rate against zone his entire career. Those are very good numbers, and that's what Juju does well. And the NFL plays a ton of zone now. I think it's like 67% teams play zone. Perfect for Juju. So as long as this trend stays put, like there should be no problem for Juju. He'll continue to produce. He's not super exciting just because he doesn't have the upside we previously thought, but... Overall, I like him in New England. He's a nice later pick to take this year and he'll give you production. Now let's jump to our final category. Go to the quarterbacks. Let's talk about my man, Mr. Jacoby Brissett. He signed a one year, $8 million deal with the Washington Commanders. Basically the the entire thing's guarantees. It's 7.5 million guaranteed. He's not going anywhere. Now it's not a ton of money. It doesn't signify he's going to be the day one starter. But realistically, the commanders are not tied to Sam Howell. He's a fifth round pick who basically did nothing this freshman year. And Brissett last year was better across the board than Deshaun Watson. Brissett, he was extremely efficient. And among quarterbacks with 229 attempts, he was 10th in EPA per play, 9th in air yards per play with 8.5, and 3rd in completion percentage above expectation. So every expected pass, he was 2.9% better than. Just a random starter word. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson was flipped. He was 29th in EPA per play, 24th in area yards per play with only 7.2, and 30th in completion percentage above expected. He was negative 3.3% below the average quarterback. Now you saw it. The offense took a major step backward when Deshaun Watson took over for Jacoby percent last year in Cleveland. Now, I know people are still into how I get it. They had him. QB1 coming out before the draft happened, but let's be real. He's a fifth-round rookie pick. There is no tie to him. So what did Washington do? They found a, a good, cheap starting quarterback to play with this offense, and it's a better skill group. They have Terry McLaurin. They have John Dotson, Curtis Samuel, and Antonio Gibson, who's still a good pass catcher. That group is far better than what Cleveland had to offer Brissett, and Brissett was a good quarterback last year so he's going to a better offense and we'll see how he does but if you're looking for a cheap one-year rental who's basically going to be a backhand qb2 sometimes he'll pop off out a few good weeks but realistically we're talking top 20 quarterback Brissett's the guy he's gonna be cheap he's not gonna cost you much of anything so you can go get him now before it's officially declared he's the starter but i fully expect him to be the starter this year the one caveat being washington could make a move for Lamar Jackson if they wanted to obviously we've heard nothing but with Daniel Snyder basically saying the team is for sale basically right now he's trying to sell the the team I don't anticipate them making any type of move like that right? or trading for franchise quarterback or moving up in the draft they're not going to do anything like that they're going to focus on selling this team so guess what, it sets up well for Brissette this year So if you need a flyer of a quarterback to help solidify your roster, go get Percet. It's not going to cost you much. and It'll be relatively productive. Next up, it's Sam Darnold. Signed a one-year, $4.5 million deal with the Niners. What this move is, it's strictly an insurance move for Brock Purdy. The deal is dirt cheap. It's not going to cost them anything to move, really much of anything to move on from San Darnold if they wanted to. But that's what this is. If Purdy is not able to come back early in the year, they have Sam Darnold, who, I mean, at least you can say he started in the league, he's not a good quarterback at all. But those San Francisco's, the skill group they have and the scheme they have can make any quarterback look better than what they are. It's definitely the the sum of the parts is better than the actual quarterback, right? Because you have Debo, you have McCaffrey, you have Ayuk, you have Kittle, you have all these legit the best skill group. All that does is help raise up any quarterback. So it's just one to pay attention to he's not going to start or anything like that let's not get hectic or go crazy with this but realistically trey Trey lance suffers and he's not good they could always go to sam darnold until brock purdy comes back that's the whole big hairy elephant on this whole situation is we don't know when he's coming back so it's basically an insurance move so for fantasy i'm not interested in sam darnold if he's on your roster See if you can sell him for anything. Third round pick, just go offload him. If anybody's looking for it, they're like, ooh, maybe, maybe San arnold's the guy. Yeah, that's that's what you want to do. You have them believing that somehow. He's just at this point in his career, we know who he know what he is. He just has not been good his entire career. So I would not expect that to change in San Francisco. The last quarterback I want to talk about, Baker Mayfield. It's basically sometimes the same deal, but with the Bucks. It's half a million less i think it's one year four million dollar deal what this signifies is early round one picks they get chance after chance after chance and we've seen the disaster that has been baker mayfield's career the last couple of years it's just been it's been just he basically jumped off a cliff they have just been going downhill and downhill and downhill he was horrific last year and not one but two spots you could say he was literally the worst quarterback in the nfl and the stats back it up. He just was awful. And after he left Carolina and he went to the Rams, he thought, hey, maybe we'll see what happens with McVay. No, he was awful, too. He was a little bit better. This. I'll put this into context. He was still bottom of the league. And I think with quarterbacks who had 100 attempts, he was like 50th out of 55 quarterbacks for CPOE and EPA. I don't, I don't know that exactly off the top of my head, but he was horrible. So, the only good thing for Baker is the situation. Still have Mike Evans, still have Chris Godwin. They're two really good wide receivers. And I know the line was in shambles last year. We'll see what it looks like this year. Could be a lot better. And we'll see if Baker, you know, if it works out well for him or not. I'm not expecting anything out of Kyle Trask, so... This is giving Baker Mayfield a shot to be something. We'll see what happens from it. But same thing. If you can get anything for him, just move on from him now. Because if it doesn't happen for Mayfield or Sam Darnold, their values are going to absolutely tank where you would be lucky at this point to get a third round for them if they fail this year. So keep that in mind with these two. But realistically, the question comes down to, do you believe? Do you believe in them? Baker's already played 72 games in his career. I think we know who he is. But if you want to buy him to hit, buy into him with Tampa Bay, be my guest. Feel free. I ain't going to stop you. But that's it, folks. That's this week's free agency pod recap. I wanted to thank you for joining the rantings of a fancy football fanatic. I'm your host, Jesse Moeller, a.k.a. Moller 5 You can find me on all the social media platforms. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat—we're on all of them, folks. I wanted to wish you the best of luck, and you we will check in with you next week. Okay. Damn. Uh.